As you travel through life, or in my case, Twitter, you come across people with interesting things to say, especially those little things that make you go, hmm, I have one such person on the show. Joining me today from New Jersey is Rishi Tripathi, and we will spend some time getting to know him, his ambitions, and his activities. Rishi, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Rishi, people are wondering and at the edge of their seats, wondering who is this guy? Is he an entrepreneur? Is he an activist? Is he a model, perhaps an author? Who are you? Yeah, I'd say I'm just, the way I put it in my Twitter bio is just a guy chasing Ikigai, right? And so there's this Japanese concept of uh, reason for being, bringing together sort of what you enjoy to do, what you're good at, what the world needs and what you can be paid for. And I think that's like a really powerful concept to internalize that those things actually can be, can you can achieve all of those things at the same time, right? So many times people compromise on one for the other uh, or they feel that they have to. And I think that like, it's more possible than we think just to have it all. So I'm just, I'm just here trying to have it all uh, just through sort of having my values lead uh, my activities and my actions and just, just being really intentional about what I spend my time on and with whom. Interesting. Your name, Rishi, do you know what it means? Yeah, Rishis are, are like the old saints that went and sat in the mountains, right? Yes, Rishi is a Sanskrit name meaning a sage, someone who has uh, dedicated their life to investigating the purpose of life and to live in the ideals contained within it. And when you break apart that word and look at it from that perspective, it also means a seer, a seer of truth, someone who's on the move to be in the flow. Do you see yourself as somebody who is trying to find that purpose in life? I'd say so. I think, I don't know how much it, it is trying to find it versus trying to achieve it. I think generally, like, it's well understood what the things that really make people fulfilled are, right? Strong relationships, uh, just like tying tying some value to their work that they like just feeling that they do something valuable and just being really close and, and maintaining uh, strong relationships with the people around them. But so maybe that's what it, that's my understanding of what it is. And then my, I'm basically trying to execute on that now. Right. And trying to live my life in a way such that, uh, such that I'm not trying to sort of delay my gratification or my happiness for the future as a lot of people my age tend to be doing and that when I talk to my friends, I hear them doing, but just trying to have it now. So yeah, I, I think that there's some overlap there for sure. In term, you mentioned two key things that interest me a lot. One is value in the work that they do and relationships. Based on your life journey so far, what have you, what have you learned from these two things? Yeah, I'd say like throughout my life, um, especially like back in high school, I was always like a floater. I floated between different friend groups just because I gravitated more towards like individual people who I found interesting as opposed to entire groups sometimes. Obviously, it's nice to have groups where you can make plans easily and like it's, it's very convenient. But uh, when it came down to it, the people who I really uh, had confidence in, right, who I felt comfortable confiding in and who I went to for advice were always um, people who... I really respected and admired from a values perspective and it was never tied to status or group or at least maybe it was at some point. Right. And maybe I'm just like blacking that out now, but I think more as I continue 
it becomes less and less so about status and more and more just about like how how does this person think about the world and uh does that perspective um sort of enhance my understanding of the world as well so that's the the relationship side and then with the value in your work i think like when i did a lot of soul searching this past summer uh, i just graduated from from college and i was on this track where i was doing what a lot of people might think are like all the right things right like getting the correct job or getting the good job or whatever it is but somehow it's it still felt to me that that was like a rat race in some ways and i was really interested in in the work that i was doing and it was frustrating for me to for it to feel like uh that was a rat race so i i did some some reflection and just talked to like my friends my advisors my family uh and really started to isolate like what are the things like what's the value that i want to add right like and what's the how do i want to make people feel better or or be better right and i came out with like education entrepreneurship is two of those things so for for different people they'll have different interests and they'll identify different things that that are interesting to them but um in the end i think like if you don't if you're not like really content or really passionate about uh what you're doing and i'm not even going to say passionate right i'll say like you have to be good at what you're doing and then you have to be you have to think of this non-negative right it either has to be something that's within the grand scheme of the world neutral or positive uh and then if you're good at it you can get a lot of fulfillment out of it um yeah and that's a that's a separate topic slightly but yeah i'll, I'll pause there <laughs> no no it's interesting perspective for someone so young you know you're thinking you're thinking in such a, a high level and that's what got me interested um to contact you um it, your feed just popped up in my feed and and uh, and I'll come to that particular feed that got me interested uh, later on but I thought oh here's somebody who's who's thinking uh differently and that's what attracts me and um, all my guests on the show have been people uh, who who thought differently not necessarily from an entrepreneurial point of view but they were thinking more about others and thinking more about what can i do with my skills and you referenced that point that you know you want to focus on entrepreneurship am i right uh, helping people become entrepreneurs or successful is that right to 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 some to some degree i think like successful might be a better way to put it it's just like helping people find the things that bring them fulfillment um because that's different for everyone right like for some like for some people it's traditionally like status based or wealth based and then for other people it's like relationship based and like everybody has different priorities right so just trying to help people find priorities that that fit them uh and not really trying to box them into anything because a lot of people especially my age when i talk to my friends like they don't really know what their priorities are they like it, it's very easy throughout high school and college uh there's a lot to do there's a lot that you kind of have to do when you're in high school and college so you can you can just do those things and get caught up in them and then not have had time to think about why or uh what you're trying to do along your journey so i'd say like overall it's just like i think helping people find fulfillment and one part of that can be entrepreneurship i think that's an incredibly empowering one and then education i think is the other just uh from early childhood through sort of just like lifelong education uh the only way that we can do new things is by learning new things uh, absolutely 
Um, just that point you mentioned about people not getting their not not getting their priorities right, but just not knowing what their priorities in life are. Do you think that's a failure in the educational system of today, and perhaps even uh, parenthood? Yeah, I, I I mean I wouldn't maybe I wouldn't say failure, but maybe shortcoming is a better word. Um, just given that students, at least in the U.S., are under immense pressure to achieve based on a very narrow set of metrics uh, that are quantified and abstracted away from like positive outcomes for students or what most people, I guess, would call positive outcomes. Like getting a good score on a standardized exam is not necessarily a positive outcome if that child is psychologically damaged or socially inept, right? So like just, I think there's, there's some combination of parenting and education that is resulting in lots of people not really knowing why or what, like the, people graduate from college and they're 22 and they just don't know what they should do with their lives. And I think like so many people, right? I just graduated from like a top 10 university in the world and like I'd say upwards of 40% of my peers are like lost in, in some way right uh, and it's something that they struggle with they're like like people are trying to find jobs or they start a job and then they hate it like I don't know uh, I, I think that there's a lot of work to do uh, within our society on, on those issues in general but I'm just trying to do my part I think that's true and I think that's where the concept of Rishi uh, needs to come in because a part of the uh, so what the ancient rishis used to do is they would spend a lot of time soul searching and that was done pretty much in their childhood from the age of five so by the time they reached their 20s they were ready to face the world um, and and to contribute to society and be an instrument of change rishis weren't people uh, who just sat alone in a cave in a mountain they only sat in a cave in a mountain so that they could be uh, so they could focus, just like how we sit in a quiet room. Uh, what humans have forgotten is the soul searching, the word that you used. It's, it's definitely the most ignored part of our existence. We see ourselves as people who needs control and who needs to enjoy. And if we don't get it, then we feel we failed. We feel uh, because our understanding of success is what you said in the beginning is status, money, uh, education, power, fame. And I think it's important for people to understand that they're not bad, but you need to know how to manage those. And you need to know how to get them and how to manage it if you don't get it. And I think this is an, an important part of education. So if you missed it in school, um, then at least in your university, college days, or some part of your life, you need to inculcate these values. Otherwise, the second point that you mentioned, which is relationships will break because you have unnecessary expectations of people because you haven't fulfilled your own expectations. Yeah, definitely. And there's like a lot of intersectionality between some of the things that we're talking about now and just like, like socioeconomic situations in different countries, right? Because when you are born into less, like fewer means than your parents are likely working longer hours. They're not able to spend time, be social at home. Uh, and, and there's these sort of like cycles that perpetuate themselves uh, by virtue of 
the structure and I don't have a solution, right? I'm not sitting here with like a plan to, to fix the world, but uh, I've just observed and I've had conversations with people that, that show me that there's a lot of fractures in, in how this issue manifests in children's lives, especially. So uh, it's just something to be mindful of and something that I'm mindful of just as I think about my contributions and involvement in uh, in social justice and in policy and uh, in my work as well. I'm just trying to be mindful of some of those things. Fantastic. Um, you're a big believer of, uh, so I'm slowly moving away from the current topic, but I'm going to come back to that again. Yeah. Uh, you're a big believer of uh, spend 80% of your time on 20% of opportunities you care about most. Can you please enlighten us? Yeah. What you meant by that? Definitely. So I think that if people take some time to reflect on what's important to them and what they care about, you'll come up with a relatively unique perspective. Most individual people will come up with a relatively unique perspective. That's to say that, uh, let's just run with an example, right? Imagine there's a thousand companies in the world and Somebody every year, some news organization stack ranks the best 100 places to work, right? One heuristic you can use as to where to spend your effort is to use that stack ranking. But another heuristic you can use is to think about what your priorities are and which companies match that. And I think that if you have 100 people and you ask them to stack rank based on their priorities, very few of them will end up with all of their choices being in the top five that are stack ranked by that news organization, you know? So you can come up with some unique perspective on what's interesting to you if you take some time. And then given that, the, like there's a lot of high quality opportunities that are very much in demand and lots of people applying. Like if you're focusing your efforts on the five that matter most to you, uh, like I think, I think this is a separate point than like talking about how to do that, right? Like I'm talking like, philosophically about uh, this concept but if you can focus on the five that are interesting to you and really try to stand out with those i am of the perspective that you're going to have a much better shot at either speaking to somebody who has the ability to to help you out or getting that job essentially than somebody who's just like throwing their resume into the top 20 uh for everything right and it's something that that uh i saw with my peers in high school with respect to college admissions and it's also something that I noticed in college with my peers with respect to job applications. So uh, the reason why I say uh, uh, opportunities and not jobs or uh, like job opportunities is just because uh, at a systems level like this perpetuates in, in any like application-based system where uh, demand for a subset, uh, for a small subset of the available like domain of opportunities outstrips the, the supply of those jobs. Yeah, and then how this translates into practice um, is like, you can be really intentional and put together like a well thought out pitch uh, for why a certain job or a certain role or why you are the right person to do that. And it gets a lot easier to make that a compelling case if you've thought about why that opportunity is interesting to you in the first place, right? Because then it's just a matter of putting it onto paper. But um, yeah, I, I think, too many people spend too little time applying to things that they really care about. And then when they don't get the job, they feel really shitty and like they're really upset. But 
like all they did was click their resume and send it right mm. uh, and it, it's frustrating for me to see my friends like be upset when those things happen so i'm just like why didn't you do more like why didn't you just like send an email to the person like you you talked about how much you wanted this job every day to me and how you were waiting to hear back but you never sent them an email and you never like you never told them that like how do you how do you expect them to know i don't know can you give me an example of how one should go about doing it um what's the word you used you said you need to understand why you're applying is that what you said yeah and just like why a certain job is compelling for you and why you're the right person to do it right i can give a more concrete example yeah so as i was graduating college i or yeah the summer basically i was in quarantine right and i was looking for something to do i knew i was going to be incredibly bored if i wasn't working on something um and so on twitter like i i came across a bunch of opportunities people are posting jobs all the time people are retweeting job listings um and so there were a couple things that uh really stood out to me and that i kind of put my all towards i'd say for the summer there were three opportunities that stood out to me um one was an internship with jeff morris junior who's a venture capitalist in the us um so i actually saw or here i'll i'll just go through the three first there's jeffs then there was another one by steve schlafman uh who's a founder coach and angel investor and that's the opportunity i actually ended up pursuing this summer and third was one where there was no job posting at all and uh there's a company called notion that makes a productivity software that i really like and i wanted to to help them build that so i made um i made a pitch for them and for each of these cases i like saw the opportunity it really stood out to me uh relative to the other ones that were out there and like most of them i just ignore but when i see something i like i just like bookmark it or i capture that tweet uh somewhere and then i spend like 2-3 hours just like doing some research and thinking through like why is this an interesting opportunity to me um and then i send i send the person or whoever's uh in charge a note and it was the notion one right there wasn't even a job opportunity i just sent it to to their team right i was like hey i really like your product i have some ideas here are my skills like would you guys want to work together and they were like no like we don't have any space but i was like okay that's fine right because i spent 2-3 hours thinking about a product that i love uh and now i like that product even more and i'm an even better customer so for them it's a great outcome Uh, and for me uh it was like a fun exercise but for the other two for the interesting Jeff, you should say notion cuz uh, that's what i'm using right now for my uh, oh amazing for my notes yeah it's a great tool yeah i love it um i'm actually working on building like a notion workspace for our company right now but um with jeff morris i saw his job posting when i was on spring break in puerto rico with my friends on the beach and uh basically that night we were planning on like getting dinner and then like going out for drinks and in between so i like i ate dinner really quickly we came back we were like changing people were showering and like i spent 90 minutes while people were getting ready there's only one bathroom so it took a while um and i like typed out a a job application and i sent it to him I'm like hey I'm t- i i told him like hey i'm typing this from spring break i'm really passionate about this uh like here's my case right and i can send you these links later uh like what these what these examples look like sahil of india actually uh tweeted some examples yesterday that you might find interesting but uh jeff responded and we had a conversation and i interviewed and i didn't get the role one of my friends gabby did 
But then he referred me for one of the other opportunities that I thought was really interesting, which was Steve Schlafman's. Um, so like just even putting that effort and like I stood out to Jeff in that way for putting that pitch together to the point where I was one of the last few people he was interviewing. And obviously he, in the end, he didn't go with me, but he felt strongly enough about the effort that I'd put into that opportunity to, without ever having known me outside of the context of that interview, to put in a good word for me with somebody else that he knew. So like, it, it just goes to show that like a little bit of intentionality can have a really outsized impact on your outcomes. Um, given like, imagine if I had just like put my resume into those three places, like I, I wouldn't know Jeff, I wouldn't know Steve and I wouldn't be working in Notion and I'd still be at home board. Right. So, and maybe I would have gotten some other, other job opportunity if I was just applying to everything, but maybe I hate that job opportunity. Right. Because like it didn't stand out to me initially, but, oh, I, I, put my resume in 500 places and one person responded, why don't I just go with that? Like, I think that's a subpar way of, of uh, making sure that you're fulfilled. And obviously like uh, I'll, I'll disclaim a lot of this by saying like, I'm like very privileged to, to have the ability to, to have had opportunities in the past that I got through just like spraying and praying job applications that put me in a position now where I have some more optionality, but like even from the beginning, the more thoughtful you are, I think the, the further it'll take you. Uh, I wish I, I wish I had started being more thoughtful earlier uh if that's worth anything to somebody listening like what when you're 10 <laughs> no, no that's i'd say probably just around like the time i was th starting to think about college uh, yeah of course yeah. yeah i think that's like a big inflection point for a lot of young people and i and i say this to a lot of people because i'm in a position where i mentor a lot of people at work um i manage people i do a, a lot of interviews over the years i don't know hundreds and and the one thing that you look for in people is that uh, spark in the eye, you know, that that they've come there not to get a job and get their monthly salary, but they're here to make a difference. And you can easily figure that out just the way they conduct themselves. And I tell all uh, all the people that I mentor that you must you must never prejudge, um, play the game. If you feel, if, if your instinct is telling you, hey, maybe this is different to what I'm always used to, nah, I won't, I won't approach them. It's, it, I'm not going to get it. I said, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that because your body has a, a mechanism in place to help you take those risks to do something that you've never done before. So to hear from you that you were in Puerto Rico having a holiday and in 90 minutes you sent it, that's playing the game. You're giving yourself uh, that that opportunity to try out something you've never done before. But many people are fearful, fearful of something that may not even happen. Yeah. So it's, it's wonderful that, that you made that step. And I hope as a part of your uh, making people successful or making people rishis, um, you, are, <laughs> you, are, you are enforcing this principles that don't prejudge, don't speculate. Uh, yeah. Give yourself a chance to do something you've never done before because you will grow. Exactly, right? Like the the concept of, of self, like so many people self-reject is the word that I put around that term, right? Is like they don't apply or they don't put themselves out there or they don't take the extra 15 minutes to like write a cover letter. And I'm not going to say write a cover letter because cover letters are kind of useful, but like write a, a thoughtful email. Like the worst case outcome, if you do any of those things, is that you know a little bit more about something in the world, whether it's the company or the person, and you're in the same place. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, even if you look at all the guests I've had on the show, I've never known them before. Uh, you know, I just said, let me approach this guy 
of this lady and see what they say. And every single time they say yes. Yeah. You know, and I've met some amazing people and I've already made friends that I know uh, my guests who've become friends who might not keep with me for the rest of rest of my life. And you mentioned a very important point of thinking such things very early on in life. I think that's critical as well. Not showing off, but but I actually did the soul searching when I was in my year 10. And, you know, I, I made a decision that if I need to grow as a person, I need to step out of my comfort zone. And my comfort zone at that time were my parents and my family. And I began to think, hang on, these people have given me roots to be proud of, but now I need to use my wings to fly away. So after my year 12, I left to Australia. Uh, it was a huge move because nobody had done it in the family before or even in that whole neighborhood. So, but it's brought me so many opportunities, so, so many realizations uh, that I feel that was, that one action has helped me be a better person. And I think if everyone did that, if they did something that was so different, uh, our world would be uh, a much more interesting place than what it's today. Yeah, um, definitely. A few days ago, you said this, often the problem isn't that we are experiencing negative emotions. It's that we believe that we are bad for doing so. Normalizing conversations around mental health and increasing vulnerability is a net positive for everyone. We are all human. And the reason I brought that tweet up is because people have this negative emotions. They have this fear. And it's so hard for them to break through it. And sometimes other people say, just break it. Just take the risk. But it may not that easy for that person. Yeah. And I think that... Uh... If you're somebody who's struggling or fearful of something, it can be incredibly liberating to hear that somebody else has been in that same position and then and then did something that ended up having a positive outcome, right? So that can encourage those people to sort of break that barrier, right? It's a very different conversation if you're fearful of something and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm scared for somebody to say, well, oh, like, do, just, just do it. Like that's one conversation and it's a different conversation for that person to go like, yeah, I really felt the same way as you in this situation. And then like, I thought about it in this way. I'm not sure how you're thinking about it, but like, and then I did X, Y, Z. And then I had ABC outcome. And that's like a very, those are very different conversations, right? And a lot of times uh, in certain industries and certain cultures, like it's discouraged to have those conversations, but it doesn't really make sense to me why uh, sharing our experiences should be discouraged. That was, that was like a super quick thought that I just tweeted out the other day. Super quick, but very deep, Rishi, very deep. You've been having a very busy August, September this year, and I understand you've been working on quite a bit of ventures and really keen to hear about what you've been up to, especially the Beyond Deck and Star.City initiatives. Um, can you help us understand what all that is about? Sure. So I'd say a lot of sort of what I've been up to has been... Uh, a uh, byproduct of the apprenticeship I did this summer with Steve Schlafman that I talked briefly about earlier. Steve is like an amazing mentor. Uh, had a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with him and just understanding how the startup scene works and how venture works. And so that was like my primer to all the things that I'm doing now. But um, primarily these days, uh, my day job is uh, working on education at uh, on deck, 
And so we are a company trying to build um, a modern educational institution, essentially, right? For, for adults, uh, primarily, or for the time being, at least. So we run a variety of programs. Um, we run one for founders. That's a 10-week cohort-based uh, fellowship. We're also going to be doing one for uh, angel investor, aspiring angel investors and aspiring writers. And basically what we'll do is we'll bring people into this time box community, really high quality people, and we put them in the same room and we give them resources, programming, et cetera. But really the magic happens within that community, right? And when you put a lot of thoughtful uh, people with really diverse perspectives, we have fellows, I think, in like 20 plus, from 20 plus countries. We've only been around like a year now. So uh, you get some magic happening, right? Whether it's a company being created or friendships being made, or just people realizing that it's a great outcome for us for somebody to come in and realize, oh my God, I should never start a company and then go back to the big corporate job, right? Because we've saved that person a lot of pain. Maybe that would have taken them three, four years to realize if they had gone and gone on their entrepreneurial journey alone. So uh, it's a lot of fun. So I, I'm kind of focused on structuring the educational programming, which is about uh, 20% of the, of the fellowship. Uh, and then I, also am thinking about what sorts of fellowships should we be planning for in the future, right? But right now we have founders, angels, and writers. What's next? One of our one of our founders is always tweeting out crazy ideas. He talks about we should do YouTube and podcasts and this, that, and the other thing. And he has he has he's an idea factory. So <laughs> we're trying to like just proof and validate some of those ideas to to figure out what the next six, 12 months looks like for the company. So that's my day job. And then uh kind of relatedly to maybe our earlier conversation is this thing uh start.city that i just on a whim just like put up a landing page for a couple months ago which is essentially start.city is essentially uh just a space an online space for people in tech young people in tech to learn from other young people in tech we talked about sharing experiences earlier and how that's like positive for everybody so it's just like a dedicated space for people to do that in um I think that like there's there's some mentorship aspects to it, there's some social aspects to it, but overall it's like loosely uh, not as structured a community as as on deck, but um, something that I'm interested in and passionate about because there's a lot of people still trying to find their way uh, in their during their first three five years in in the tech industry. So um, just giving people to to talk, giving people a space to talk things out and see how other people are approaching. Their careers, I find, is is enlightening for many folks. I'm really looking forward to seeing how Star.City grow over the years because it's very interesting, and I think it appeals to majority of the youth in the world today. So I'm sure it's going to branch out across across the world if it hasn't already. Um, that brings me to the next tweet, where which is what actually got me to write to you. It was on the fourth of August, and you tweeted, "Anyone willing to read and give feedback on a piece I wrote about?" a recent career decision-making process, and more general advice. What did you write about and what advice did you get? Yeah, so I think I tweeted the link out to the piece a couple of days later, but um, the piece was uh, around a decision that I made to... So I had a job lined up after college um, and the opportunity with OnDeck actually came out of conversations over the course of like 72 hours uh just at some point this summer um i had like known some folks on the team for like a little bit not personally but just like through twitter 
uh, and they ended up reaching out and being like, Hey, we like what you're doing. We know that you have this other job lined up, but like, would you be interested in potentially coming to work with us? And so I spent that weekend and then the next few days thinking through like, okay, where are my priorities? What am I optimizing for? What, and how do these two opportunities sort of contribute to those goals? Um, and I came up with a, a piece that maybe we can leave in the description um, about how, how I came to that decision and what my thought process was. And I had a conversation with the my prospective manager at the other job uh, that I didn't end up taking. And I, I talk about that conversation and sort of, uh, she's a lot older, wiser, smarter than I am. Uh, and she gave me some good tips for how to think about the decision. So I took her her framework and I populated it with sort of my thinking around it. And I just put it out there, right? In case other people are thinking about, should I go to a startup? Should I go to a big company? It's sort of the, the, the decision I was dealing with. So um, hopefully me putting that advice out there, not advice really, just like my own musings. Uh, if it helps one person in which I've gotten like messages that people have said, that, hey, this helped me. Like that's a, that's a win for me. Like I don't care if I'm annoying people on Twitter by having like what may seem like a self aggrandizing like piece on there. Like that's not the intention, but if one person, if it helps one person, which it has, like it's definitely worth it for other people who are less gracious to think I'm annoying. So I'm fine with that. What was that framework she gave you? Yeah. So there's sort of three decision factors that she outlined. Yeah. So there's three questions that she asked me to think about. And the three questions were, how do you measure impact for yourself? What kind of thinking excites you and puts you in flow? And then think about the tooling and support that you will have at each companies and which environment you want to learn in. Uh, and so the way to contextualize this throughout um, like the decision process I was making, so measuring impact, like at a large company, you can definitely have impact on more people from a numbers perspective, but the depth of your impact on each of those people uh, is is harder to measure and maybe more shallow. Uh, additionally, for me, I found that um, being inspired by the people that I'm working with is what gets me up in the morning, not having like eight, like 10 million users or 100 million users or whatever it is, right? Like I, for me, it's very important. Uh, for the people who I'm most proximal to during my workday, which is my colleagues, uh, to feel some sort of connection with with those folks. So um, that's how I approach like the impact. Right? Is like if I if I have an impact on my team, uh, that's a lot more tangible for me and a lot more meaningful. Just because like we talked about those immediate relationships in your life, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that's it, it's a little more meaningful for me than um, than making a button that gets sent out to 10 million users, even though it is 10 million people. You know. And then the other questions, uh, happy to dive in, but like what what kind of thinking excites you and puts you in flow and then think about sort of the support and environment that you're going to learn in uh, within different companies. So just a general framework for thinking about the sort of big company, small company dichotomy that a lot of people, uh, especially within tech, are, are facing when thinking about their first few jobs. I know you've been planning to have Ask Me Anything sessions uh, one day, and I thought I'll kickstart it here for you. Definitely. So it's going to be a rapid fire session. So I'm going to ask you these questions and you're going to answer them as quickly as you can. Got it? Sounds good. Taking inspiration okay. from 20VC. 
<laughs> I've got I've got 10 questions for you and the timer starts now. If you could buy any type of food right now, what would you buy? Chicken wings. Who's your favorite superhero and why? Uh, Iron Man, because he made it himself. I have Batman too, but I'll say Iron Man first just because he's cooler. If a movie was made out of your life, who should play you? Uh, I'd be honored if, if Dev Patel played me. Who's your favorite cartoon character? That's a great question. I'll say for now, Zuko from Avatar The Last Airbender. Why? He had very profound character arc throughout the show and he like he's a good person at heart and by the end of the show he realized it which i think uh is is really profound growth that i appreciated and he's also just like like this funny awkward person that i that i identify with is it something you don't have the awkwardness no i'm definitely awkward uh in a variety of situations i think like it's definitely tempered in certain situations and it comes less in, in professional situations, but it always tends to leak out once in a while. What is one of your weirdest quirks? Oh, I think like, I, I don't know if it's a weird quirk, but I think I'm like off putting in that. I really don't enjoy small talk that much. Like, uh, it's something I'm working on, right. Where it's like, I'll be at a party and I'll be talking to somebody and I'll just like start to zone out if we're just making small talk. And I feel really bad because like I, I genuinely want to get to know this person, but just the the ritual of having to do small talk before getting into more interesting conversation is really tiring for me. But uh, so yeah, sometimes I space out when I'm talking to you, even if I'm excited to, to, to meet <laughs> Thanks for clearing that. I was wondering what happened there. But do you find that an issue with uh, your parents? Yeah, I think... Um, I think it's already shown itself to be an issue with my parents <laughs> during college. And I, again, like when I, when I moved to San Francisco away from home, like I want to be better at this, but like I, I didn't call that much just cause it ended up being a lot of small talk. Uh, and I'd like give them the big life update when I came home or like during a break or something. But um, yeah, it's, it's frustrating cause I know they want to keep in touch and like know what I'm up to, but at the same time, like uh, it, it's, it feels like I could, just like text them the same thing. <laughs> I, know it's not the same. I know those connections are important, so I'm still working on it. What is the one thing that annoys, annoys you the most? People who... Small talk. <laughs> Almost. I think uh, people who aren't willing to to think, right? Like people who, who have like this, a, a very like... Uh, dogmatic or people who just like like just go with whatever people think generally like people who who subscribe to the consensus uh like nobody nobody in the world i'd say is like truly a true in the u.s like republican or democrat right like you're not your views are not 100 percent aligned like even if you're like a, the, the biggest supporter of donald trump right like i'm sure you have some viewpoints that disagree with him right but like those people might not admit that or might not be willing to think about it. It's just, I think like willingness to, to think for, for oneself. Uh, and it shows cause it's like really frustrating to talk to those people too. What new technology do you think will transform the future? I think. Surely not cloud computing, but <laughs> be something else. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, cloud is, is the, the infrastructure that everything new is being built on, but I'd say like. Machine I, learning. 
yeah, some combination of, of machine learning, text, and voice um, is just going to make information capture and information creation uh, way easier. We're seeing some of it like with GPT-3, which is like kind of a meme at this point, but like uh, just with tools that are coming up for like uh, information processing and information organization, things like Notion, things like Rome Research. I think that there's some really interesting opportunities with that plus cloud plus voice um, because it, it's incredibly high friction to type if you think about it. Like you can only type when you're sitting, you can only type effectively when you're sitting at your laptop in your home and you're not doing anything else, but you can talk almost at any point, right? So I, I think there's a lot of human knowledge that's left to what be utilized. What about, what about it automatically types when you think? I mean, that's the next level, right? Which is like brain-machine interfaces. We saw Elon Musk demo the mirror link last week. So, yeah, I think that there's a lot of... I don't know on what time frames these things are going to happen and whether any of them happen before climate change ruins everything. But um, we'll, we'll see sort of what the immediate future holds. I've got three more. Yeah. What is your favorite joke? I don't know if this is my favorite, but it's the first one that came to my mind and that has to mean something. It's like, what did the buffalo say to his child? And then the answer is, bye, son. Like a bye. <laughs> I love jokes like that. Yeah, it also makes sense because uh, the bison from Avatar The Last Airbender is like also one of my favorite characters. But that's a separate story. I'm just making the links. Because I asked a question something like that in our team meet on Friday. The <laughs> question was, um, what happens if you drink wine too much I'm not sure you get into grape depression <laughs> <laughs> i like that uh, okay second last when i dance i look like somebody trying too hard and the last question if you could paint anything what would you paint maybe the first family picture i was ever in i don't know what it is uh, it's probably in some photo album somewhere in the house, but that'd be that'd be what I'd paint. It, there's a tangential question, uh, like who would you talk to if you could talk to anybody? My answer is always uh, my dad at my age, just to see what, what he was like. Rishi, thank you so much for being a part of this uh, show. And I'm sure uh, people who listen to this would have learned a lot from a young mind such as yourself. And I'm looking forward to seeing you grow and grow and grow. I'm 100% I'm sure you will succeed in every venture that you undertake and you will be a mentor to a lot of people. And um, I, I hope you are surrounded by mentors as well. And I look forward to the day when we can catch up again, either on another podcast or in person, either in the US or you coming down to Australia. Yeah, I wish you all the very best. And thank you so much. It means a lot to me that you came on the show and I learned so much. I appreciate it, Manoj. Thanks so much for having me. Take care.